speaking from Luke chapter 23, verses 33 through to 49. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by, watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Excuse me. <clears throat> it was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had happened or what had taken place, he praised God, saying, Certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for this spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. This is the word of the Lord. Believe we've read passages about the, the coming Messiah, uh, what God was going to do to him, who he would be, and what happened to him. And we've sung, sung songs about that. We are here today because Jesus has died. The promised Messiah, the King of the Jews, our Lord and Savior, was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. He was forsaken by God, stripped of his honor, robbed of his clothes, and abandoned by his friends. We call this Good Friday because of what's coming on Sunday. And as Christians, we always look ahead to that Sunday. But today is Friday, and Jesus is dead. Jesus has died. Jesus of Nazareth, the man we know, who comforts us, who leads us as we pray, uh, who shows us his glory, was mistreated, and he died. We hear this news today, uh, like we read the other stories in the scripture, knowing the end. But let's put ourselves in the shoes of the original people. What were they seeing? What were they thinking? People like Mary Magdalene, who had been released from demonic possession by this man, and now he's been killed. 
or Ma the gospel writer Matthew, he's had his life transformed from a shameful life of a sellout to being a disciple of the Messiah who just died. And now he's gone. There, there was one woman who had been healed from 12 years of bleeding. She's been considered unclean and untouchable for 12 years, and she's been healed. She's finally been given a chance to be accepted after 12 years of being, being rejected. And now the man who healed her, who gave her that hope, is not alive anymore. How does she feel? Or there's strong and courageous people like Simon Peter. He thought that Jesus was going to overthrow the Romans and establish the kingdom of God and set them free. Or others like John and James. They, they, they had visions of Jesus establishing the kingdom of God in righteousness. But he was taken from them. And now they're crushed. We read that all of the disciples were scattered. They were alone and afraid. How do you come to Good Friday? Do you mourn Jesus' death? Is it simply a routine service that you attend? Do you, like me, look past Good Friday to the good news of Sunday? Good Friday is a day to remember regularly, and it's a reality to mourn. We can mourn that the one that we love has suffered. You can mourn that it was your sin that put him there. I can mourn that it was my sin that put him there. We can mourn the injustice of it all. But what's unique about us as Christians is that because of what happened on Sunday, as 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us, that when we mourn, we don't mourn like the rest of humanity who have no hope. On Friday, we remember that we live in a world where death is a reality, where sin has consequences, where sickness and extreme need are realities. But we can have hope because today, just like that day, we are not simply victims of chance or the will of sinful people playing out their, their ideas. We have a God whose plan is, being, is unfolding, plans to make himself known, and to illustrate this, I want to pose a question three times and offer three answers to that question. There's an ongoing question, and I've been asked directly this question a number of times. I work in university student ministry, and as I engage with students, we, I wrestle with all sorts of questions that people will have. But the questions that, that scholars of history have asked is, who was responsible for Jesus' death? Was it the Jews? They brought him to the Roman governor, Pilate, and insisted, even demanded, that he be put to death. Was it the Romans? Maybe they're responsible. They're the only ones who have the authority to put someone to death. And it was only after Pilate condemned him that Jesus was taken away, beaten, and crucified. Maybe it was Judas. Maybe he bears the blame. I mean, he turned him over. He betrayed Jesus and showed the Romans where he was. But the answer that I think about who's responsible for Jesus' death, me, I am, you, 
you are. All of us are responsible for Jesus' death because of our sin that made his death necessary. But do you know who else was responsible for Jesus' death? God the Father. In the passage that Song Li read, Isaiah 53, it's speaking of the Messiah where the prophet says, it was the Father's will to crush him. God the Father's desire was to crush Jesus. My kids at Awana have memorized 1 John 4.14. The Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The judge of the world found a way to pardon sinners by paying their penalty for them. God the Father was responsible for his death. But do you know who else was responsible for Jesus' death? Jesus said in John 10, Nobody takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. Jesus, in obedience to the Father and out of love for us, laid down his life. He gave up his life as a ransom for many. So as we grieve the unjust suffering and death of Jesus, as we grieve the brokenness in our world, we can grieve with hope because God the Father is making himself known. He's making himself known as a God of mercy, as a comfort for those in need, and as a God of justice who will make all things right in their time. We can grieve with hope because while we owe a debt that we can't pay, Jesus laid down his life willingly to buy us back for God and give us hope for the future. So today is a day to be contrite, to grieve, to be humbled. Let's remember that Jesus suffered and Jesus died so that we don't have to. And let's look through the darkness in this world with hope at what's coming. We can have hope because of Jesus' death. As we reflect on that, I'd like to invite up Reverend John Newton to lead us in, in communion. Let us therefore celebrate the festival with the unleavened bread of the Come to me. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Hear these words from the Apostle Paul. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen also to the beloved disciple John. If anyone sins, 